Lovely to have you here. My name is Alice. This is an interview with Lucy Van, who has been on my list to talk to for some time now. I remember Lucy reading for us at Sporting Poets, the reading I used to run here in Melbourne, and I just didn't get it. I thought, how is this girl so relaxed and why does she sound so cool in all senses of that word? And then I lost track of Lucy for a little while. I, I didn't see her around. That's probably because I wasn't around, not because she wasn't doing stuff. And then all of a sudden, this collection came out, her first poetry collection, which is called The Open. The Open, the title, is not, as I previously thought, a reference to Rilke's idea of the open. It's a reference to tennis, plain and simple. The book is not all about tennis, as will become clear, but as Lucy has said elsewhere, tennis is a bit of an organizing principle in the book. It's a really different collection and I got to see Lucy read from it a couple of weeks ago and it was really beautiful to see how these poems work on an audience. They're very hypnotic, they're, they're quite mesmerizing and really pleasurable to read as well. But instead of trying to describe this book myself, which will just end up with me gushing, I'm going to lean on a review by Gareth Morgan, which was published in Overland a couple of weeks ago. So here's what Gareth has to say about it. Gareth says, I am a bad reader. More than invoking a world outside the poem, the open invites playful engagement with poetic surface, the different musics of each sentence. This is kind of an argument for reading stupidly or with the blinkers on, because I find it brings out the richness of Van's text better than digging and diving for her thesis about, say, colonialism in Australia and Vietnam and praising it on these grounds. As well as being an effective reading method, it is one that responds to the demands of this wily, meandering, opaque and cheeky text. It's that these poems and their sentences are so invested in their tennisness. I read this way, I hope, not to elide the poem's potential critique, but to better understand their particular ring and sting. It's a great review. Really, really great review. Reading it, I really started to doubt a lot of what I said in here with Lucy about reviews in general, trying to sort of make a point about honesty and connection. Uh, and I'm not sure I agree with myself anymore. However, I did get an email from a listener over the weekend who said, Alice, you really have to stop doubting yourself. <laughs> so, you know what? Everything I said about reviews, best thing anyone's ever said. The other thing to be aware of before we dive in is that the Open was long listed for the Stella Prize, and we talk a bit about that. The Stella Prize, if you're not aware of it, is an annual award that celebrates Australian women's writing and this was the first year that poetry was included. Another really great collection, Drop Bear by Evelyn Araluen, ended up winning this year. I found it really interesting to talk to someone who was longlisted but didn't end up going all the way with the prize and, and what that meant. This conversation also includes every possible iteration of a word that is spelled W-A-N-G-I. It's a place name. We try out every single version of it. You can decide which one you like best. 
I am really grateful to Lucy for this book. I feel excited about what I could write now that this book is in the world. And I'm also really grateful to Lucy for making the time to talk with me as she has a new baby. And as anyone who's ever had a new baby knows, it's not the easiest thing to set new baby aside for a few hours and chat to some random person with their recording gear. But that's what Lucy did, and I'm really grateful. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Lucy Van. He gave him the smallest of chances, and it was taken by Kyrgios. Yeah, I've put a whole bunch of pressure on myself to ask very good questions today because I, I feel like... You know, I, I love talking to everybody on the show, but it's sort of weirdly rare that I, I talk to somebody who's, I don't know, that I'm just like a genuine, like, fan oh. as, as well. <laughs> and yeah, this book, I think it's pretty fair to say it's had a good reception. Would you agree with that? I would. Yeah. I, um... I don't know, again, I, I'll keep repeating this, I don't know what it means, um, you know, like, it's oh, yeah. it's really, um, yeah, it's really unexpected to Do have you... a, you know, I mean, it's 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 a good thing um, mm. to have a good reception, but it also, um, yeah, it, it, it um, surprises me a lot. Is there, like, a sense that maybe you don't quite trust it? Are you a bit suspicious of um, it, or...? No, I just wasn't expecting it. Okay. So it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's mm. like it's something that I didn't, um, there was no foreshadowing or anything. So mm. I, I'm just, I'm completely delighted. Mm. Um, but I'm just, there's no kind of, um, yeah, I don't know what I should be feeling. Because mm. you know? mm. it's not as if you wrote it and thought, this is my masterpiece. I'm going to just like throw it down. Everyone's going to be so impressed. You were just yeah. writing your first collection. and. I think um, it's gonna like it sounds. It sounds weird, like like weirdly, um, you know, false modesty or, or something. But I think I just always um, I always thought that I wrote about poems and I wrote about poetry, um, and it was kind of like a um, like a bonus or like a secondary thing to like join in um, and like be part of something. But I didn't. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't like a. Um, I don't know. Like it, it wasn't an intentional, um, this is my first collection, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that this book kind of started out as a different book. Is that, have I got that right? You were writing a book called The Beginning of the Poem and then yeah, this kind of, it evolved into this? It was like my, um, you know, like it was my rebellion or my like having an affair ah, on that book. You were procrastinating <laughs> the book you were meant to write. Totally. And yes. I am still writing that book. I'm trying to edit it at the mm-hmm. moment. Okay. Um, and it's just like this big like pile of shit, <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, because it's not poetry. It's a kind of literary criticism book. Okay. Um, and I'm sort of like, you know, on every level struggling, like even just with sentences. Um you know, like that granular kind of expression um, is is really difficult. And there's something that I'm trying to say in that book, in the beginning of the poem. Um, and I felt like I could s- express some of what I was trying to do in this book. 
um, yeah, that right. there was something, uh, yeah, like out of the confines of trying to like make sense in a um, in 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 straight prose. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so you had a freedom to just kind of play. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, re- I think so. Yeah, it reminds me of something I I came across that you you did an interview for the NGV Triennial. And you talked about writing from a place of non-understanding, which I took to mean not knowing exactly where you're going to get to. Yeah. And I feel that when I when I read these poems. And there's a sense of collecting whatever it is you happen to come across, just kind of following, following the train of thought. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a sort of like a processing... Um, Mm. like in a kind of factory sense (laughs) just (laughs) receiving um and like outputting um something that yeah like I don't really understand what it is Mm. um in a in in some sort of like fae kind of way maybe Mm. um and yeah like you you just don't have to you don't have to understand you don't have to come to any conclusion um I yeah. think that with the other book, there's this sense that um, there must there's like a huge premium on like understanding, you know, right. and okay. comprehending and yeah. and sort of like um, taking um, taking ideas sort of safely from one place to another. Mm. Um, and it's a I think it's an important thing, and it's also a kind of cumbersome thing and, and an extraordinary like responsibility to put on the um, the writing process. Mm. Um, or maybe I just sort of take it a little bit like too personally, <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's sort of just been sitting there. That book is, um, it was meant to be a different book, but like the genesis of this book was 2018, mm-hmm. maybe mid 2018. Um, and I was meant to finish it maybe 2020. And then I just didn't, um, not to talk about the pandemic, but I'm pretty sure. That <laughs> How dare you? That <laughs> How dare you mention that yeah I actually forgot like I forgot that um I was talking to Justin Clemens about a thing that we were like a small project we were going to do um at some point in 2020 and apologizing saying I can't remember what happened um I think I that was me like that was it that was my bad I was meant to do something and he said no it was (laughs) (laughs) no it wasn't oh man yeah yeah just Sorry, I guess I just forgot. Um, maybe oh, I had something on. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, can't for the life of me recall what it was. Mm. But yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so I I feel like in the in the critical response though, and maybe this also extends to the fact that it was long listed for the Stella Prize. Um, people are probably doing a lot of what I'm, what I was just sort of doing, like. Ex- Describing your book back to you, describing what it does, what they like about it, what they get from it. And what I am interested to know, and maybe we can circle back around to this, is kind of a hard question, but what elements of the book are people missing? Is, is there stuff in there that you really wish people could see? That's such a good question. We can come back to it. Damn, <laughs> that's a really good question. Can we? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let, circle let back. It, let it sit there because um, I don't know. Okay. But I think that I think that you're right. 
well, like I, I think just, that the question yeah, points to something. I think I just think it's about yeah. There's a whole bunch of expectation. Um, I I think that we place on certain kinds of work by certain kinds of people, yeah. and we read it in a certain way. Um, easier question. Mm-hmm. What's it like working with Bella Lee? I've heard good things. Yeah, I think it's only good to work with Bella. <laughs> Anyone that works with her um, is very lucky. I was so lucky mm. to work with Bella. Um, and she would probably know how to answer that previous question because I feel like she sort of, she, yeah, she understands things um, in a way that I don't think anyone else does, honestly. Mm. Um, and she understood, I think, where the book what the book was trying to get at um, and I think what I was trying to um, expose the voice to in if that doesn't sound too vague um, like it, you know where, where the where the voice was maybe to be more specific I mm-hmm. think like she was sort of she was a perfect editor like in terms of bringing um, yeah bringing those things together such a gift isn't it when somebody looks at your work and goes i can i can see where you're headed you're you're trying to write about this thing and, and bring in these elements and you sort of look at them and go yeah actually <laughs> sure <I was. laughs> no, but but even just in terms of um like i can't even remember what the poem was there was mm. some there was there was something in the the first manuscript um and when i got it back I think the only note that was on it was just not amazing. <laughs> like that, that was what um, the, the editor's note were those two words. Not amazing. Not amazing. Yeah. That, would, that would ruin my whole week. I loved it. <laughs> really? <laughs> it, was, it was so perfect. It was true. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of, yeah, it was all that really needed to be said. Did you keep that poem in? No. Yeah. I was really happy. You know, and, and I think, um, yeah, it... it, it it was a very, um, I felt like it might have seemed oddly overly compliant or something, but everything that she sort of saw was kind of something that I could see immediately. Mm. Um, so she has that prescience, I think. Like it was, she knew what I wanted, um, I think, yeah. like right before I did. She was, yeah, incredible. That's so great. That's so, so good. Yeah, I definitely had a, a similar experience working with Jess as well. Um, felt like she could see where it needed to go. And yeah, she, she helped me to let go of a poem, which I had been trying to make work for probably 10 years. Yeah. And she was just like, this isn't, um, it's, I, I don't remember how she put it, but basically like it's not achieving what it set out to do. Like, I know, but I really want it to work. I have a poem that's an unpopular poem. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, oh, what did I try to do? I think it actually, it ended up being um, published in um, where it was originally sort of commissioned. Um, I'm sort of being vague because I don't know if I should talk about this thing or not, this particular project. So basically the story is I wrote a poem for a thing for a book which had other pieces of writing in it and I thought that it got spiked so I was like oh fuck like the person didn't like this thing that's fine um and then someone else asked for it 
and then that came back eventually like after it was read by a different editor um I was like fuck this poem's like not really getting any like I don't know um it's not finding its home Mm. um and I sat down with one of the editors who's also a good friend of mine George Muratidis um and yeah like we were talking about we were just catching up talking about like bullshit basically and then I kind of got to this moment where I said so what like why don't you like this poem (laughs) it's like my ugly child (laughs) why won't you you know and he he kind of couldn't put his finger on it it's kind of bizarre I still really like it Mm. um but it just doesn't seem to um go anywhere but actually he sort of um as a good editor maybe should do said something that Bella might have said which is you know not amazing and he said it wasn't quite like it's not quite your voice okay yeah it can be just as hard to talk about why you don't like a poem I think as as why you do to actually put into words yeah anything beyond ah it's just not quite working for me yeah um yeah I think um I've been thinking about this because I just read and had to write a little review of um, Ocean Vuong's new book. Right. Yes, this has come up before oh, on the podcast. I've heard, actually, recent the Ocean Vuong phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. My good friend Eleanor went to a lot of trouble to to work with that collection and, and I was I just kind of shrugged and was like, I don't think it's for me and haven't read it. Yeah. So what's, yeah, your, right. what's your thought? Um, I think that I really liked the first two books. Um, and there's a line in On Earth We're Briefly Gorgeous that the protagonist's little dog howls out as a child. Um, the line is that they live more, um, which I think, you know, is in, in the story, like directly talking about the other people, like people who aren't living the way he and his mother live and, you know, the, the others, like the, the sort of the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, they live more, which I thought was a really great way of expressing um one aspect of being a minority you know like there's this sense that everyone else is living more right um but i also think his lines live more you know and that's kind of like in terms of what you're talking about like where poems don't work or where they do is there's just something about a line that seems to be more alive when it works yeah time is a mother i think um doesn't have that all the time so there are lines that um live less i reckon that seem a little bit i don't know what the word for this tone is but you know that Mm. internet kind of argo of you know social media like i don't know who needs to hear this right now but (laughs) (laughs) like that book has a lot of that tone in it um and i i don't know it doesn't i don't think it i mean it doesn't it doesn't um it's not my like favorite thing about the way he writes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah because nights go with exit wounds i won't talk as if i have actually read the yeah i have totally ignored the new collection but i did read nights go with exit wounds and um it was very earnest and didn't have any of that sort of internet speak or anything involved oh, yeah. in it but um when i think about a writer like ocean vong i think about pressure and I'm going to borrow from um, uh, a, a poet who I've been corresponding with a little bit here, um, 
I won't name her just in case she doesn't want to be drawn into this conversation, but one of the things that she said to me that I thought was just incredibly important to highlight when we talk about a writer like this is, like, we can't control who the publishing industry decides to champion and Mm. put on a huge pedestal, Mm. like a huge motherfucking pedestal in this case. Um, That must be awful some days. Mm. I reckon it must yeah. be incredibly strange. Yeah, um, especially because his his work uses um, experience um, mm. so thoroughly, mm. um, and 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 it actually comes into like a couple of the poems. I, you know, like there's there's a line that says, um, "I'm a professional loser." Yeah, right. I'm now crushing it in losses. <laughs> you know, that's, um, that's not bad. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. I think it's true. He's a sincere, you know, an American sincere poet like there's a tradition of that but I think he is also um, a maker of great lines um, and formally interesting as well but yeah like there are definitely some some bits that I just that I was like this isn't this isn't for me mm. yeah which is yeah. fine it doesn't have to be um, <laughs> yeah but it's funny so you seem to be in a predicament where you're talking about Ocean Vuong <laughs> Well, he's the biggest. He's the biggest poet on earth right now. Mm. So, it, it, of course, you know, it would make sense that I would be. Mm. Um, I've got, I've got no problem with that at all. I probably should read the book <laughs> at some point. <laughs> you know, I like mm. that he he makes the boys cry, and I think that there's, you know, there's a need for for that. Like mm. um, that, he, I've I've literally had this experience of playing. Um, something you know a recording of him reading um one day i love ocean vuong in a lecture and um you know it was at the end of the lecture and there was just a, a young man beautiful young man queer young man in total like hysterical tears oh, at boy. the end you know and yeah oh. it's i think not the only um but actually not even the thing that I like about poetry personally, but I think that the young ought to be moved in that way. Um, and that there's an extravagance about, um, about a moment like that, that I think is, that, that I think is a reason for having Ocean Vuong. Um, yeah. Cause it yeah. comes a point where you're sort of like, Oh, don't be ridiculous, Alice. <laughs> Stop crying. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You mentioned George and I did want to ask about creative partnerships because I know that you're, um, you did a project in 2020 with DJ, DJ Lila Sakini, and you guys put together um, music and, and your, oh, yeah. your work. Um, what do you think makes a good creative partnership? Hmm. Um, you know, the, um, like the feeling that there's a third thing, you know, like, and I mean, like in the sense of like, we're talking right now, um, and there's a sort of like a call and response aspect Mm. to the conversation. I think a good collaboration is like if a bird flew in through the window or something like that, if some other sort of presence manifested somehow, um, from from the two of us working together at this conversation i think that that's you know where where there's that um i don't know it's it's not generated from either person um 
I don't know, it feels like it comes from outside. Obviously, it comes from the space in between the two people, but it, it feels like something comes in, like through an open window. Mm. And, you know, that was the feeling with, with um, Layla, like we made those things. They were made for a really specific reason. Um, I think, God, my memory is really shit today, but some someone had asked could we like actually could I record a poem and just put music to it and at the time Layla was staying she was living here um and doing her thing and yeah I just sort of said I've got to record this poem um do you reckon you could you know just like put some production underneath it Mm. um and she made um those who see like that was I think that was the poem that we recorded um, and I think her reaction was, shit, this is actually quite good. And usually, um, I think it would have taken a lot longer to make a track like that. So it, everything just sort of happened. Mm. It was like it came in from outside that thing. We were both kind of like, what is this? Um, and then whatever I'd been invited to make this thing for, like the event didn't end up happening. So we were just like, oh, we've got this thing. Let's just make a few more. Um, and it right. just, yeah, it just sort of... There was this experience of complete surprise um, that, yeah, that there was this thing. There wasn't, I, I feel like I'm kind of, yeah, I'm interested in intention, but I think I'm always really seduced when things happen out of intention. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really long-winded like, answer to your question, but I think that a good collaboration is actually not intentional or like, outside of like an intentional um, space. So there's something that's open to a different idea to yeah. what you think you're doing. Yeah. It's funny because when you use the phrase, the, a third thing, I was reminded of an essay that Donald Hall wrote about his marriage to Jane Kenyon and how they were both in, you know, they're both poets living together and they were in service of this third thing. Um, they didn't have kids together, but they they worked yeah. on these poems together. But um, I love what you're talking about because it it so speaks, I think, to what's happening in the book. You know, you're you're following an impulse, but you're not quite sure where it's going to go, and then you end up in this place. It's really surprising. Um, again, that's that's how I feel when I read these poems, but I am probably missing something. No, I think that I think that's right. I, I mean, I'm I feel like I'm like being weirdly obstructive about talking about the work, but it's no. it's because I don't actually know. Like I don't really um I mean, I do know, but I don't I don't know how to explain it. Like it's it's um mm. I think that that's true. Like I think that there's um a sense of surprise that's like a key to how it was made. How about we hear one? I have a few that I very much am into, but I'm very happy for you to just pick any. Um, Can I ask which ones? Well, the one that I... I like the section, the Esplanade, the best. Um, I'm from Canberra. I feel a real affinity with um, people from Western Australia. Yeah. We live in Melbourne. I feel like we kind of see each other across the room. Yeah. And we're like, Isn't this fucking crazy? <laughs> yeah. These people live here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I get that. And I, I like people from Canberra. Like, well, thank you. Yeah. I think, that the, I think that there's a, I mean, Nick Curios is from Canberra. 
there's a kind of um ah, is he i should have known yeah. that um wow i mean yeah i, I don't know that, i don't know how i feel that... about curious i mean um <laughs> No, I don't know either, but I think that there's a kind of shared understanding that um, people from places like Perth and Canberra yeah, have. Yeah, I think we get it. Um, the Esplanade is, I think it's my favourite as well. Oh, great. Well, the, the poem that I like most out of it is the fourth one. I'm very attached to the character of Cameron. Mm. Cameron, my Cameron. Um, and I really like the section where you talk about going to um, a place, I think I think you pronounce it Wangi? Wangi? I can't remember how, like I think we never knew. Right. We could, we could quickly <laughs> Google it. Wangi? Oh, it could be Wangi as well. Wonga? <laughs> we don't know. Wonga Falls. I can't believe I forgot. Like it's, oh, yeah, I, I once knew. Um, I'd but love that's to read the, it. Yeah, it's really long though, so feel free to just read like whichever part of it. Okay. Yeah, or the whole thing, whatever. All right, I'm going to read from slightly into the beginning. And come to think of it, he often took me to the airport when I first started going to Sydney all the time, which is to say when I fell for Leo. In the car on the return leg between Wongai Falls and Darwin, I realised I was quite sad. Sadness about leaving the falls, which incidentally went from one to three nights pretty seamlessly. Touched something else and I dug into my bag for that inevitable Valium when I realised I couldn't kick the mood. Even with Cameron pulling the car over to correct the music situation, he found a proper house mix and telling me about his friend Kyron, who I may have met many times. Cameron gave me lots and lots of backstory. I looked at the little grass trees and other flora unnameable right now, eating muesli from a box with my hand because we'd lost the spoon. At some point near Bachelor, I said something along the lines of, I'm really emotionally blocked at the moment, which is and isn't an unusual thing for me to say to Cameron, and he changed the subject pretty quickly, which is standard and correct in terms of our dealer's friends. He said we'd return to that topic, and I didn't mind not returning at all, and I mulled over what I said and just thought to myself, I have no idea what the problem is, and I said to Cameron a few minutes later, Leo and I still haven't discussed what that trip was. And I had to clarify I meant France. And Cameron said, you should definitely have that talk while drunk. And I thought that was a great point. And at some point my Valium must have kicked in and then we neared the outskirts of Darwin. On the plane now, I can't quite picture that drink happening. I think I should write a glossary of terms from our trip, effective, which Cameron hated, to designate when something was good. I believe by the second last day, there was some sort of policy in place whereby I was limited to a maximum of five effectives per day, which was harder than it sounds, but eventually led to the creation or renaissance of correct. Correctivism was the hangman word of our very lazy iced coffee at the cafe slash information shelter at Wangi. That by this point felt like part of our house or rather a very good place to lie down on a bench. We thought we could probably just go off grid and live in Wongi forever, as long as they never got internet coverage there. With zero internet, we would have zero problems. We could sell the Outlander hire car, Cameron reasoned, and sell our phones, moving down to selling our tequila and half-finished rum. My God, I must have been drunk last night, singing in the dark while Cameron went to get the rum, staring at the white frills of falls, probably surrounded by crocodiles. 
Cameron is right, he is a rational man. We used broom in a slightly unusual way, I think as an adjective, during our first night's night swim, which involved whiskey and nudity and the moon being too bright to see stars. That moon is boom, I think it went. Near Litchfield Safari Camp, on our second attempt to buy ice, I requested that the music be more boom and Cameron said, Lucy, do you really think I don't know what boom is? I like that Cameron only told me as we were leaving that he was probably much more scared of swimming with crocs than I was. I hadn't noticed until that exact point. We talked about making decisions several times at the beginning of the road and when Cameron invented a new type of breakfast toast involving cold pea and ham soup as a kind of smashed avocado replacement, he named it the decision maker. We were never running late. <laughs> that sounds so disgusting. <laughs> It was actually really good. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Should I go on? Yes, please. Sorry. <laughs> it, yeah, it, was, it worked. We were never running late. We were never waiting. We both knew within 30 seconds that we should definitely leave Robin Falls and we're back in the car in under five minutes. One day soon, I should try to write down what the different days were. Louise Blockhall was what... Bewley's rock hole became. Our second time there, we drank dark and stormy out of an old soda bottle, like a plastic Woolworths brand bottle. I drank most of it by accident and watched a family of four kids dive into one of the top pools. One of the youngest boys never used his arms, which is to say he flung his little body out head first and it looked so great. And Cameron said he had developed a real knack for making the right cocktail for the right moment and the sun was setting and I thought that was a nice thing to notice about himself and told him. Driving home, the sun was still setting and it was so big and round and utterly crazy over the mountains of rocks and termite mounds and just as I tried to take its photo, it was suddenly gone. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I love that road trip. I mean, I just love being there inside that road trip. Um, yeah. It has a cumulative type of humour. There's, there's these very little jokes that pile up and eventually you just can't, can't not laugh. <laughs> um, um, yeah. yeah, I think if I can go back to a previous question, mm. um, I like accumulation and I don't know, I mean, I don't know if that's one of the things that the book is about, but mm. I think like... Yeah, building things in a kind of weird way and like um, seeing if it can can stay is is something that I'm like or like it, it gives me a lot of pleasure mm. to try to do that. We you talked somewhere about tennis being an organising principle of the book. It's it's called the open. When you see those words in Australia, you probably do think of the Australian Open. Um, and tennis is kind of cumulative in that way too. Like, I love I love tennis for so many reasons, but I love how, it, like, right at the very end of a game, if it's on a knife edge, it's almost as if you're back to zero. You may as well have not played anything. Yes. But you're also completely exhausted. Yes. And all the emotion is there. And yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, it's um, yeah. I think that that's that's right. It's sort of like cumulative and also like annihilating mm. um at once yeah yeah you think Nick Kyrgios has ever 
thought of it that way. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think Nick Kyrgios is a, a, a wise man in, in some ways. Really? <laughs> he's, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's just sort of painted himself into the, um, you know, the sad clown, like, persona of Australian sport or something. But yes. I think he's, I think he's a smart guy. I want to come back to, to the book and to Cameron and to the fact that there are plenty of guys in this book. There are, there are boys who are friends, there are boys who are more than friends. And um, privacy. So in the introduction, I really love actually that you wrote a, a preface. Um, I almost feel as if we could do away with introductions and just have the poet write their own preface or their own notes. Um, but that's probably a different conversation. But in the preface you write, the poems here express indignation at the eventual consequences of privacy. Yet equally, privacy fascinates me. Equally, fences fascinate me. Their lines, their tensions, their bending. I'm not the first to say that poetry is a form of enclosure, but I want to say it here again anyway. And I write poems about real people, um, but I rarely use their real names unless I feel like there's a, they'll definitely be okay with it. Mm. What was your thought process around some of the? Because some of this stuff is like pretty revealing of yourself and also of other people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's really difficult to tell the truth anyway. Mm -hmm. That's like a really like easy thing to say, but I do believe that. Like, I think if I you know, intentionally like set out to write a book about Cameron, <laughs> Cameron Hill, <laughs> you know, um, I wouldn't have got it and it, it mm. wouldn't have really, you know, um, it, it wouldn't have like captured the person at all. So there's this like very capricious approach that I do actually hold, which is mm. to me, um, I don't know, like working in, in, in that decision to use real names. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, also, or like maybe on a deeper level, I was interested in um, like the point of naming, you know, and and yeah. these sort of like private entities, which your question kind of foreshadows, I think, um, you know, that, that there's an identity or like a, a thing that, um, yeah, that we respect, like, mm. you know, like that someone has their private life and you don't put them in a book because <laughs> like that's a, it's a violation of privacy. It is a violation. Um, and I, I was interested in that and I didn't check with anyone if it was okay if I put them in. Mm. I just chucked them in. Um, so there was, um, you know, it was a, it was an intentional kind of, it was, it was, I meant to do it. Um, and it was, it was a choice that was kind of propelled by thinking about, um, the notion of privacy in the way that, um, I suppose like private property um, is linked to like the you know the concept of the author anyway and mm. so I think um, I wanted to see what would happen if I did that mm. yeah and actually nothing that weird has happened I also the, you know the flip side of that or not the flip side but like another side um, is that I think it's 
an interesting thing to try to do to remember someone with their real name, you yeah. know, and to have it on the record. Um, it will never be a record, like a kind of a public, um, you know, department of something record. It's but it's it, but it's a record that's public nonetheless. Mm. Um, and to sort of resist, um, you know, like mystifying who that person was because the you know the other hand is if you do use real people they're going to know anyway yeah um they do know yeah <laughs> um it is <laughs> um and it's it's kind of it's like that line um that line being fine could also be maybe done away with um or we could maybe see what would happen i mean i think it's 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 great to it's also great to not name people and to like I think, um, like it sounds, it sounds like sort of against what I just said, but I do think it's important to respect <laughs> like the wishes of others. Mm. But in this instance, um, I wanted to see what would happen, and I think no, not wanted. I needed to do it that way. Yeah, yeah. I can completely see why, in terms of the the stories that are in the book. Um, yeah, in in some cases, it's kind of like. It's not the kind of story, not that there's anything like terribly, you know, defamatory or libelous or anything like that, but it's like stories about things that happened, um, not entirely positive things. Mm. And it's not as if you would, you know, send an attachment to someone and be like, are you okay with this? Like you just wouldn't. Mm. And if you did that, then that poem would cease to exist probably Mm. because the person would be like, oh, that's not, you know, I don't really remember it that way. And the fact is you do remember it that way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I take responsibility for that memory, Um, you know, um, but I I mean, I think that like the thing about writing is that it is unfair. Like that's, you know, (laughs) like not to um, not to say like suck shit. ended up in the book too bad. (laughs) But but I think that the pretense that it can be fair is wrong. Um, And this is, yeah, like a, a very like, favorite writer of mine like I don't know if it makes sense or not but I, I actually really love Truman Capote um, me too do you? I just bought answered prayers and oh my I, god I love that book yeah, it's I one of my f- oh my god it's one of my favorite books ever oh. that crazy weird book I'm so excited to read it yeah it's such a the and you know the voice and the sort of the skill of observation everything that's in there and it's also really bitchy and gossipy and and wrong and you ruined know. his life yeah exactly yeah. And, and not fair like he yeah. he sort of like you know spoke out of school with mm. the people that he was he was writing about but mm. you'll find it there's a there's a sort of a moment in the book where the you know, the protagonist writer, who is obviously him, um, mm. is talking about um, Proust and saying um, In Search of Lost Time would have been a realer book or, you know, not necessarily better, but a kind of like a truer thing if um, the genders had been the real genders and the names had been the real names mm. of, of all of the different, like, you know, lovers and, you know, beloved figures. I think it's, I don't know, I think it's um, it's worth trying yeah. <laughs> to see what will happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Sort of related to this question of privacy, this is actually where I had planned to start, was um, thinking about, I guess, you, you strike me as somebody who doesn't really want to make a big deal 
about your work. You said that you you wrote the open almost as a way to not write the other book and you weren't sort of making a big declarative, this is my first book of poetry statement. So I just wonder what it felt like when you got the news that it had been longlisted for the Stella Prize. Was it completely welcome or was there a sense of like, oh no? Um, yeah, I'm like really twisted. So <laughs> <laughs> I never have one reaction or emotion yeah. like there's always I think that's a, not, I don't think that's yeah, at all. Think but not. I just mean like there's a twist in each mm. in you know in each response I was so like completely shocked mm. because I also um Kent from Cordite you know um entered it like because you know publishers enter enter their their poets books and obviously he told me and I think when you know when when I got that email I was like oh yeah whatever <laughs> like and yeah, completely yeah. forgot and so yeah. when I got that the long listing email it was I feel like I was just walking um with my newborn then newborn baby mm. um and she'd fallen asleep and I must have just read the email on my phone and I just I had that kind of moment where I didn't it's like what <laughs> like what are these words saying like yeah. it was a complete like shock in that sense I was I was really really surprised mm. um I don't at the same time you know I was I, I felt like I was kind of suddenly exposed to prizes you know yeah yeah, like, yeah. And well I, I wondered about that too yeah like, with the prize because it doesn't sound like prize culture was on your radar at all I hadn't just I had never thought about it mm. you know and I, I I I mean I'm not saying anything about people who win prizes I think they generally are the right people but I just don't think about prizes like I, it's not um uh, like I, you know, I wouldn't be able to tell you like when a prize would be judged or like what's coming up with, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, which isn't to say I feel like I'm sort of like presenting myself as, aren't I like so innocent? <laughs> what if, I'm not like evil, but I, I, I just don't like it was just simply something that I hadn't like considered before. And then, um, it. Yeah, like it got into my head. Like mm. I was like, oh, wow, like what if I actually, like so initially I was like, oh, no, like that's crazy. Like how could how could this be? I don't understand. Um, this is really odd. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm starting to think about winning that money, you know, and it was, yeah, it was it, like it was, it was a very um, subtle and like minor new thing but it was sort of there yeah there's expectations are creeping from the side yeah I was yeah. I felt like a creep because I was like ah oh, maybe I could and I think there's this thing where I was like why can't we all just have money like because it's not there's there's nothing in me which thinks like there should be um a particular person who's like that is the best poet or like this person is you know like um you know like the the, the one to rule the land <laughs> like, <laughs> one poet to rule them all you know like it was it was more just like I think like what's happening is we um and Evelyn Araluen talked about this in her amazing speech when when she won is we can't like have this kind of work in life linked prizes only like as a way of kind of making this work viable you know it's an incredible thing to say given that that was the first year that poetry had been included in the totally Prize. yeah yeah, I yeah I thought so too. Mm. It was great. Um, you know, I think um, yeah. It 
I mean, like, I think like what what was happening or what I was what I was wondering if it was happening was like this is like putting twelve people into a bit of a coliseum. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like who will it be? It's yeah. like a very odd way of thinking about art. Mm. And at the same time, I'm kind of almost holding myself back from saying this because. I don't want to seem like I didn't want to be considered or like that I wasn't completely, I was so like, I was completely amazed that it happened and really amazed that they liked it, you know, mm. and all of that sort of, you know, I was just in, in a very human way, like mm. um, thrilled about it. Yeah. I think yeah. both can exist at once. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you a little bit about reviews before I... Uh, let you go I've been thinking about them a lot over the last couple of years because I wrote a lot of reviews for maybe four or five years and then decided that I was never being honest yeah and always felt under pressure to say nice things even when I didn't when I really didn't like the book yeah. And there was one book in particular that I said some nice things about that I now look at and I'm like, that book should have been torn to shreds and you should have been the one to do it. You know? Yeah. But um but also by the same token I was I was reading um Chris Wallace Crabbe's review of John Forbes Damaged Glamour that came out just after Forbes had died and um Chris says at my back reading Forbes I always hear his growling distress at the review I wrote in Scripsy of one of his early volumes. Turning to me in a corridor, he said that he wanted to strangle me. (laughs) I'm just like, that kind of macho bullshit is not helpful, I don't think, at all. But I, I think all the time about how little room there is to actually say when you like say on the record when you don't like something when we Mm. when we're such a tiny community Mm. um and i guess i'm just trying to think about how to be both honest and kind and i think there are people who can do it with more confidence than me and that's kind of why i stepped back from it Mm. um yeah it does take it out of you i think like not um not saying i think i've done that too Mm. Although I can't think of any particular instances, um, but I think yeah, it does come from that thing of um, wanting to like it feels like the energy is sort of better used to explain what something is doing um, mm. than sort of you know tearing it to shreds because yeah, if something is such a fragile like not in the sense of like it's such a small community and like you know they're not going to say hi to me <laughs> at, a, at, a, at, a, at an event. It's not like that, but it's just such a, a fragile, like, little ecology of different writers. It seems um, it seems like that, like, type of, like, it was bad critique doesn't really um, help anything. Like, it does, you know, like, it's, it's sort of there's not enough money, there's not enough kind of, like, resources to sort of support what people are doing, mm. um, that it doesn't, it doesn't sort of warrant like the kind of the fierce kind of critique Mm. but at the same time people will probably start doing that soon because it hasn't um been done enough yeah and the thing is though that like when chris was writing his review in scripsy of forbes's work or whatever it was just as little money and just as little um, yeah so i just 
that's I wonder why we've you know is it just because we don't have these like big macho guys (laughs) (laughs) one another like yeah what happened to those guys I don't don't want them back (laughs) what did we do with them (laughs) I mean maybe there'll be like some women that will have internalized um that kind <laughs> of oh no yeah, you know i think i i don't know um like the, the polite there's a lot of politeness yeah which i think is good um yeah i just don't know i don't know how to think about it because it's like there are there are some people who are not poets who are, who are reviewing poetry in australia and that's wonderful um yeah but that's... there's not many of them that's what I wanted mm. to be. Yeah, right. I wanted to be one of those people. I wanted mm. to write about poetry. Mm. Um, to go back to like the beginning of this conversation, mm. um, I think that yeah, I think I don't know how it would work, but there needs to be some way of kind of paying people to to do a you know a, sort of a thorough job, mm. and and those people exist in a sort of separate realm. Um, or are not poets themselves, um, you know. Have to resist the temptation. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they could write it under a different name, I guess. But yeah, I mean, writing poetry is very fun. Mm. Writing reviews is maybe not so fun, unless that's what you love. It can be fun, mm. I think. Um, I think if you sort of like get on the right trail. But yeah, it's. I mean, I think. I have to look at reviews like that I've written and like figure out if I've held my tongue, like where I've held my tongue. But mm. I feel like I feel like it's happened, or I feel like I've not written the review um, at all. You know what I mean? I Instead do. of, <laughs> I do know but I thought yeah. that it was because I was really lazy. Mm. But I think it was actually because I didn't know how to say. It's also really difficult to talk about what is wrong not wrong but like what didn't work in a book without seeming also like kind of one-dimensional and um you know a bit flip like Mm. um it either seems yeah like like you don't care about that writer so you're kind of like well they did this (laughs) i mean it didn't really work i think like the mode of sort of saying like this is kind you know like say like um film reviewers like youtube film reviewers where it's like ah like you know like the pacing wasn't good mm. or like mm. it, there are, that's also a very cliched way of writing like to sort of go this didn't work that didn't work like to you know but then to pursue it and try to make it more um to make it richer seems really mean <laughs> like if you're like all right i'm really going to get into like the whole universe of why this book like is a bad book mm. um like that that does seem to be unnecessary um yeah so that yeah that i mean chris wallace crab that mode but um <laughs> <laughs> what did you call it like um a macho i feel like it's a macho stance that takedown yeah 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 do you think that we could be more i don't know what is that um pugilistic maybe i re- i don't think we could or should um I am advocating for honesty, mm. but I think to be honest, one needs to write from a position of confidence and a position of this isn't going to lose me my tiny little bit of, of um, 
I, I was going to say standing, but just just goodwill, mm. you know. And yeah, when I when I think about this review that I wrote, it was so early on. Like I was kind of writing reviews as a way to learn more about poetry and what was. And uh, I didn't feel like I knew enough to mm. to say what I felt in my gut, which was this book is wrong and it's doing a bad thing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know that I know that now. You know, ten years later, I look back at it and I'm like, you were right. Yeah, you were 100 percent right. And look, like, would there have been any benefit to like? Definitely not. I wouldn't have changed that writer's point of view. Um, they would have continued to write. They were well, the, they were writing. You know, the benefit like, is yeah. that the truth existed in the review I suppose I guess so yeah but um do you think that it's harder to I mean that there's this sense of you need to um you know back up your claim definitely definitely. and that if there's not I mean it's such a kind of varied field there's so many ways of thinking about poetry there's always Mm. going to be a way that you're not that one isn't too like familiar with or or feeling very strong about Mm. um is that is it that sort of sense of yeah just that completest sense of like yeah. I need to, I need to know one hundred and ten percent before I can confidently say like this is no good yeah but I always always come back to this review that Alison Whitaker wrote for the Sydney Review of Books I always forget the title of the book that she reviewed I just remember the That's review great. and how she spends the first third just saying um, I haven't opened this book I don't want to open it I've been carrying it around with me from place to place it's sitting on my bedside causing me guilt and and um that's great it's so good (laughs) good. it's like one of my favorite pieces of writing I go back to it all the time and I think if I were ever to write a review again I would want to I would want to use the first person and I would want to talk about um I would just want to write a completely personal response to Mm. to whatever the book was I just read Gareth Morgan's review um in Overland of um of of my book oh great yeah Yeah, right um and it's so good like it's such a I mean like the as a piece of writing it's so um I don't know it's like a bon vivant (laughs) review (laughs) like it just is having such a good time I don't know if you've have you read it I haven't yet but now I will maybe I'll ask if I can quote from it in the intro sure um like yeah it's just I think aside from it happening to like say incredibly like positive things like you know that I'm you know I can't even I can't even talk about that part but like it's it's reading of the book is very very superb just as a mode of reading Mm. like you know you know if it was about a different person's book I'd feel the same level of excitement like it's someone who's gone in from a completely different like place like who's not interested in kind of um writing a review for those other reasons you know it's not a summary it's not a it's a it's a sort of very direct response to what's on the line Mm. Um, and yeah like he he seems to like feel like the sentences are fun you know like that's really that's and and that was a um I got a kick out of reading someone feeling that way because it felt that way um to write them just reminded me of another phrase that I did want to ask about. There's this poem that starts, I've always felt sorry for people who didn't grow up next to an ocean, who couldn't find a similar kind of privacy, the privacy of this interval. 
the idea of like thinking about an ocean as a private space was like totally mind-blowing to me when I read that line I was like yes the conversation between yourself and the sea mm. is totally private and like you'll let yourself think and and um, and realize and consider things when you're staring at an ocean that you'll never um, yeah yeah but I didn't grow up next to an ocean I grew yeah. up in landlocked Canberra, so I feel so. bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I've always felt bad for people that didn't um, didn't have this this like expanse mm. and now that I don't have it um, you know it's like I don't understand why I live here in some ways because oh, it's <laughs> It's great. <laughs> great city in the world. <laughs> also, why do we live here? Why do we live here? It's so stupid. But, uh, you, you know, like, so having that distance and thinking, fuck, like, I used to be able to just go watch, like, you know, dumping waves and just, like, that kind of, like, the power, um, mm. like, you know, in the, a really banal way, like, just driving along, mm. you know, and looking out of the car window. Um, I think that, I don't know what I think. I mean, I think that you never... Um, you're never really the same when you're next to the ocean. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is either, but um, it is so true. So why do we live here? I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I think that people come here to think. I, I'm sure of it. I think that's right. Um, not in a like edifying way necessarily, but like when you're just like, I just need to go and fucking think about something. <laughs> think Gotta that go to Melbourne. People like that needed to leave, like where they have to think about what happened. <laughs> what the hell was that? Oh. You fell for all the world he was going to make that. <laughs> <laughs>